The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Just making an impact. Um, And we need to realize that that we can make an impact. Um, Don't ever get over the fact that we have the truth. And, and, you know, I, I love, as I read the book of Acts and, and how they turned their city upside down and, and they kind of looked at these men, you know, and they, they, they thought just by looking, you know, these are unlearned and ignorant men. But they took knowledge that they've been with Jesus. And, and boy, these men just, they did a work. And, and, and there's some key principles um, that I think will help us to accomplish that in uh, making an impact in our communities uh, for, the, for, the, for the cause of Christ and, and for his honor and for his glory. And uh, so I'm going to share these principles with you, uh, and I pray they'll be a help to you. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, my pastor, Pastor Chapel, is embodies each and every one of these principles. Um, and, um, and because that's, that's his passion, um, I, I think, in 28 years now. And you would think that he would get... Um, you know, a little satisfied, maybe in the flesh. Uh, but I tell you what, he's always got it, not driven. Um, but there's a there's an intense passion, desire uh, to finish well. Amen. And um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to coast. I don't want to coast. I, I want I want to finish well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I want to finish well. And, and so I pray that these principles will be a help and encouragement to you. And, I, and I, I really believe that these principles we share, biblical principles can transfer into, I know there's some businessmen in here, uh, can transform your business. And, um, and not just, you know, God's business, and that is, I don't like to call it that, uh, but the church um, but I pray to be a help to you. Let's kind of dive into it because I know you're getting hungry, okay? And I think I'll be able to catch up on lost time. So I think we'll, we'll get done first. All right, so let me just share with you these principles. First of all, it starts with the, the principle of vision. The principle of vision. Uh, I, I love the story with David, a teenager. We have some teenagers here. David said when he saw Goliath, he said, is there not a cause? You know, David, right, as a, as a young person, he had a vision. Hey, there's something that needs to be done here. You know, we, we shouldn't let this giant curse our God and our nation and our people. Uh, some, somebody needs to step up to the plate and do something. And David looked around and looked at all the, you know, the seasoned warriors and no one was doing it. They said, I'll, I'll go fight them. I, I love that spirit. Now, li- now listen, us that are a little bit more mature, okay, older, all right, let's not lose that spirit. Let's not, let's not get complacent. Let's realize that, boy, we need to have that, let's do something for God's spirit. But have a vision. The Bible says in you know, Proverbs 28, uh, 29, verse 18, where there is no vision. Now, we know what we get our vision from the word of God, from the scriptures. Where there is no vision, listen, the people perish. So a lack of vision, listen, the consequences are huge, and, and we need to have a vision, okay? Vision, visions are born in the heart of a man who is, who is consumed 
with the tension between what is and what could be. Vision, visions form in the hearts of those who are dissatisfied with the status quo. Now, now, now think about it. You, know, you might be a, a bus captain. Listen, you'd have a vision for your area. Uh, you might work with teenagers. You have a vision for reaching teens. If you don't have some kind of outreach to the local high school where there's thousands of teenagers every day, listen, you're missing something. You've got to have a vision. A, a pastor, a, a, you know, a, 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 a servant in the church, you know, I have maybe, maybe God's gifted you with just making buildings look beautiful. Have a vision for what God could do. And I love what, you know, Pastor Tice is, is doing here and just fixing things up and, and uh, making the priority of, hey, we need to have a good testimony with our facilities. And just have a vision for, don't be, listen, don't get satisfied with where you're at. Man, we, we, we need, it, it, I think it comes natural to get complacent, but we got to fight against that. we got to fight against that. Vision often, often begins with the inability to accept things the way they are. Over time, that this, this dissatisfaction matures into a clear picture of what could be. A vision is not merely what could be done, here it is, but it's something that must be done. Must be done. Listen, when you have a vision, it says, you know what? I've got to change myself. There's things in my life that I've got to change. I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to get up earlier or I've got to you be a little bit more organized. I have to schedule more time to get out in my community and talk to people. Uh, you know, whatever it is. But listen, you have to say, I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I, I'm going to resist that. I know that's the pull is to become complacent, to kind of throw it in neutral. And, and just kind of, you know, okay, this is how it is. No, listen, we got to resist that. we got to have faith, believe it. Hey, listen, God wants to do something. And in David's situation, there was only one. He was the only one. And we know the story, you know. His brothers kind of talked down to him. Why are you here? You just want to see the blood and the guts and all that. That's why. And David said, is there not a cause? They're not a cause. You've got to finish strong. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it must be done. So we need to have vision. We need to have vision for our community, for our church, for our area of ministry that we serve in. Think about it. If you, if, if, if you serve in the, the fifth grade boys class, have a vision for those fifth graders. Envision them that one day they're going to be Serving the Lord someplace on the mission field. They're going to be a youth pastor. They're going to be maybe a, just a faithful businessman in a church, but, but having a heart for God. You have to have a vision for that. You're not just kind of filling up on an hour slot on Sunday morning. You have an opportunity, listen, to change someone's life. Listen, I, I'm sure when I was a teenager, I'm sure that those youth pastors, I, I knew, because I, I gave them beef. I was not a good example. I was, teenagers, close your ears. I was the worst one, all right? Um, and I sat in the back, and I had an attitude, and I had, you know, the whole thing. And I'm saying, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to just let them know that, you know, that this church stuff is not for me. But you want to know something? I was listening, though. 
I was listening. Now, they didn't know it. And some of them now, they, they kind of scratched their head and said, man, do you remember how you were? I said, oh, yeah, I remember. I mean, one was my, bro- my wife's brother. He was our, our lay youth pastor. And the one reason why he didn't like me is because I liked his sister. <laughs> that was the one reason. And I, I still think he kind of holds some things against me still after 30-some years. And, uh, but, um, you know, he didn't really have too much of a vision for me. Uh, he's just saying, get away from my sister. Uh, but listen, we have a vision. Number two, the principle of passion. You know, when I read my Bible, I love verses that you see passion. I love that. You know, listen, a lot of people don't have passion anymore. You know, our world, basically the United States, is, you know, people don't have a passion to work anymore. You know what people have? Government pay me. An expectant type of an attitude. But you know what we need? We, we need men, men that have a passion to do something with their life. Listen, I only have one life to live. And listen, I don't want to waste it. Now, I know some of you are businessmen, and, and, and listen, you ought to have a, a good, strong Christian testimony and you need to run your business for the glory of God. You all have integrity, honesty, and you, and you, you, you need to be on time. And, and they're, they're, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, I heard he's a Christian, but boy, he doesn't. No. You can trust this man. And boy, that's, that'll be your testimony. But we need to have passion. And I love what, what, what um, Paul said here in Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ. Now listen, that ought to be our, our testimony too. What are you living for? Christ. For me to live is Christ. And they said to die is gain. Man, I, I just see passion just kind of dripping from that verse. For me to live is, is, is Christ. I love what Paul said here. Brother, I count not myself to apprehend it. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Vision evokes emotion. A clear, focused vision actually allows us to experience ahead of time the emotions associated with our anticipated future. Now, this just... Last year, Pastor Ty, you were excited about the vision you had for your gymnasium. And you told me about it when we walked in. Now, I know that we got cement floors, but this is what we're going to do. He's talking about it. Because he saw something in his mind about how he wanted that gym to look. He had that mental picture. And guess what? It, it, it took a sense of vision. Now, maybe some church members didn't see it. Maybe some said, well, well you know, it looks okay. It's fine. It's a gym. You know, and some people, you know, and listen, but you need to realize God is doing something in your pastor's life. And may I say this, if you're a bus captain, you, you need God to do something in your life. And, and if you work in a, you know, a teen class or a children's class or whatever you do for the Lord, man, you need to have, Lord, I need a vision for this. I, I need to see something that you can do through me. Uh, and that just basically 
you, you begin to have that emotion, that passion. Man, I got to do that. Now, these emotions reinforce our commitment to the vision. Principle number three, the principle of orchestration. <clears throat> a vision requires someone to champion the cause. Someone needs to be responsible for the event. Now, of course, an event could be a bus route, a classroom, a big day. Uh, it, it could be a building project. It, it could be anything, okay? But someone has to be responsible. Someone's going to have to look at that every single day. There's a book I read years ago about the Vietnam War. It was, Retrospect was the name of the book. And um, an amazing thing. You know, I kind of grew up in the, in the 60s. I was born in 1960, so... You know, I was maybe a young person, a little bit of a teenager during the Vietnam War. And it was the first time, you know, seeing the war on TV right there in their living rooms. You know, some of us that are my age, you remember that. They just brought the war right there into the living room. The amazing thing is, in this book, one of the generals said, no one owned the Vietnam War. A tragedy. In other words, no one looked at it every single day. No one went to bed with it. No one woke up in the middle of the night thinking about it. It was a leadership disaster. No one owned that war. Now listen, there's a war raging in this community. There's a war raging in your community. And listen, someone needs to think about it. Someone needs to own it. Someone needs to, you know, hey, something's got to happen here. There's got to be some changes taking place. And, and someone's got to look at it and, and be the leader who is living and breathing the event. Someone needs to own the vision. And a leader must be chosen. Now, sometimes it can't always be the senior pastor. Sometimes the pastor will, will give something to, a, uh, to another man and say, listen, I need you to be the champion of this. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to, I'm going to preach about it. I'm going to encourage people and, and give the announcements about it. Hey, get signed up for this. But I just can't, I can't own it. But I'm going to support you. And, and, but someone needs to be, going to have to come alongside that pastor and help um, and, and really kind of own it themselves. Principle number four is the principle of part, uh, uh, preparation. Preparation is essential for any successful event. Now listen, you know, successful events just don't happen. Uh, I remember when our daughters got married. You talk about preparation. Good night. And our house was a wreck for months as they were getting things ready for the wedding. And, uh, you know, there's just preparation. I think of 1 Chronicles 22, verse number 5. The Bible says, so David prepared abundantly before his death. He was preparing for the building of the temple. And, and the Bible says that David prepared abundantly for that. Listen, we, we need preparation. Let, let, let's bring it down, okay? Uh, you work on a bus route. Listen, you need to have preparation for that. You're not going to have a great day tomorrow on your bus unless you prepare for it. And, and you, might, you might have some great plans, but guess what? Plans are nothing unless there's work attached to it. You know, work out that plan then. And in your class and, you know, whatever, it's, it, it, it's just participation or preparation. In, in, insightful preparation helps you to avoid major obstacles. Preparation takes time and edge, energy and forethought and discipline. Luke 14, 28, 
for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost. Proper preparation instills excitement into the hearts of the team. Okay, fifth, fifth principle. The principle of participation. Okay, once the leader's chosen, then the leader must choose, choose his, then his leadership team. In other words, get other people involved. It's not, listen, you can't do it by yourself. You know, we're striving what? Together. Not alone. Okay? We're striving together. Together. We got to work together. And, and listen, one of the great things, I, I see some teenagers in here. One of the great things is this, when you realize that God could use you. And I'll be honest with you, when I got saved as a teenager, I, I, honestly, I didn't think God could use me. I, you know what? I didn't think I had anything to offer them. You know, who, you know, I don't have the foundation that, you know, these other people have. I, I didn't have a lot to offer. I didn't have anything to offer except me. But I remember the first time someone came up to me and they said, hey, hey, Jerry, you want to help me on my bus? I said, sure. What do you want me to do? I want you to be the runner. Wow, runner. I can run pretty fast. I can't anymore. When I was probably your age, I'd probably be able to race you and beat you, okay? But not anymore because I'm old, okay? I'm a grandfather, okay? But when I was 15, though, they said, will you be the runner? Now, I'll be honest with you. You know what? I didn't know what a runner was. I had no idea. But I said, I'll run. Like, I remember getting to church. I, I, listen, I rode my bike to church. I was 15 years old. I didn't have a car. My parents weren't saved. They weren't going to take me to church. I rode my bike to church. Pulled my bike aside, and I said, I'm here. I'm here. I'm working on Miss March's route, and I'm the runner. What do I do? She says, get, just get on the bus. So I get on the bus. We come up to this first door, and she says, now, I want you to run to that house right there. I thought, what? Yeah, run to that house right there and knock on that door. There's three kids in there that should come on our bus. Now, you run, and you'll go get them. I said, yes, ma'am. So I ran up that door. Pounded on that door. Man, the three kids were all ready. Man, they looked nice. They came, came walking on. I said, man, give them high fives and get them on the bus. I thought, man, this is pretty cool. So I went to the next house. She said, I'm running that one. I ran to that one, knocking on the door. They weren't ready. They were kind of like still trying to wake up. I came back and said, Miss Marge, they're not, they're not ready yet. She looked at me. She said, well, get them ready. I said, what? She said, Help them to find their shoes. I said, really? She said, yeah, that's what a runner does. I said, okay. So I ran back into the house. I said, hey, kids, you're all ready to go. Come on, come on. We can't find it. I said, hey, mom. And I, I didn't know what to do. I said, hey, I'm here to help the kids get ready. Okay, go ahead. I found their shoes. Man, I'll tell you what. I couldn't wait till the next week. I was a runner. And I'll tell you what, I knew how to find kids' shoes better than anybody else in this world. <laughs> and, uh, man, I was just a runner. I was 15 years old. I decided, you know what, I could do that. And I remember the first time going out soul winning. This, our youth pastor asked me, say, why don't you be my partner? I said, oh, man, I don't know, I'm not talking to people. I'm a, you know, people are mean. People growl at you. And 
He said, no, no, you're the silent partner. I said, what's a silent partner? He says, you don't say anything, you just smile. I can do that. His name was Tom. My name's Jerry. Tom and Jerry. So we went out together. Tom talked. I smiled. I just nodded. I pet the dog. I played with the kids. Hey, I was the world's greatest silent partner. I never, never, never interrupted my partner. Never. Now, some of you are great interrupters. You try to fight for control. No, not me, man. I, I, was, I, I stayed awake. I had silent partners that fell asleep in the, in the soul winning call. <laughs> not me. I was right there. But you want to know something? I wanted to participate. I wanted to be involved in what was going on. And you want to know something? Here it is. There are certain people sitting in your churches right now that want to be involved. And all they need is someone to ask them. Now, I know it's going to take some training. They're not going to be as good as maybe as brother so-and-so because brother so-and-so kind of does everything. He's the go-to man. But listen, you're going to stifle the growth of your church, your business, your class, your bus route, if you limit involvement just to only a few. We're not having them come up and teach in, you know, a Sunday school class lesson or any of that. But listen, there's people that could serve, start, begin serving and be involved. Listen, when I was start running on the bus, I didn't wear a shirt and tie. I had my gym shoes on because you said run, so I thought, well, i got to be ready. i got my gym shoes on. My Chuck Taylors, man. And I was ready. I had my blue jeans on, and I had a nice shirt on. I was ready. But participation, get people involved. Uh, next, which ladies will give oversight to different team members. So you have a big day, you kind of break it up into different segments. You know, we just had a uh, impact, a neighborhood impact, and, and uh, we, we, we had all these different team leaders, and we had every team leader was, was overseeing a group that was going to accomplish. One was a counseling team. There was a counseling leader. Underneath that was a bunch of different counselors. They were trained. That's how you counsel. And then there was another one for games, and all the different game people are involved. And we just kind of thought, okay, what, what team leader should we have for this event? And so then we picked the team leaders, and then we assigned people underneath that team, and, and we trained them what to do in that moment. And guess what? We had hundreds of people involved. So they would get impact. And it was a great day, man. We had over 100, I think 132 people saved. And it was a great blessing. People were involved. Uh, and, and we rejoiced. Here are certain, certain church outreaches, the goal would would be total church participation. Um, in the earlier days at LBC, um, that was pastor's goal. Every, he wanted everybody to do something. And, and so one list where we kind of put people, we said, what do we do with this person? We, said, we put them on the hot dog list. And, um, and uh, it was kind of an inside joke with, with some of the staff as we put together. You know, if, if, you, if you think, what do you do with it? Just put them on the hot dog list. Because everybody could bring a hot dog and buns. Anybody could do that. But you want to know something? It's amazing how people said, this year, we weren't even promoting hot dogs. But we said, hey, are we doing hot dogs? We're ready to bring some. And it was like, they said, you know what? We want to be a part of it. And you want to know something? I was thankful for that because that participation 
also equated to people praying. And guess what? Those 132 people that got saved, it wasn't just the counselor, but even those that brought hot dogs and were praying for the event, I believe we're going to rejoice in heaven one day because we're all involved in the process. Team, lead, team members need to know who their team leader is or, and, and, and what they are asked to do. People want to understand what the ministry is about. Okay? Understanding is important. Uh, that's where sometimes frustration comes in when people just don't know what to do. Every team member needs to enjoy the journey. And, and that's our goal. Listen, this is what we try to do in a big event. We, we just want people to enjoy the process of what takes place leading up to the event. Okay? Now, we, we want people to enjoy it. I mean, there was a sense of anticipation what God was going to do. But people are excited about everything that led up to that. And then God just blessed and seeing people saved. Next, number, number six, the principle of identification. Now, so that you don't get nervous about this, I believe we need to go out into all the world. Um, I believe we need to go into every community, all right? Uh, the gated communities, we have to sneak in there somehow, all right? I, I think everybody needs to hear the gospel. Uh, and what I do right now is, I, I, it's been a while since I've gone out, like, bus calling. It's been a while since I've done that. Uh, but this past year, just this past outreach, I, my son's a bus captain, and, and um, I said, Jacob, listen, I said, I know I haven't been out bus calling in a long time, but hey, Monday night, let's go out. And so we went out together, and we, we signed up 16 kids to come on this bus. And, and I'll be honest with you, at first, I was a little nervous about that. I mean, I, I'm thinking, man, I haven't done this in years. But, you know, we got out there, and listen, after about the second, third haul, man, I, I, was, I was all into it again. Man, I was crazy. I, he was kind of looking at me and said, Dad, you're kind of, I said, I don't know, I enjoy doing this. We went on Wednesday. We went out. I went out again Wednesday morning. I signed some more kids up. Four kids signed up. Daniel, Blue, um, uh, Daisy, and I can't remember the last one. But four kids. I I, I said, listen, Jacob, you're going to love these kids. And somehow his rock had two buses. One bus broke down. The transmission blew. And, And so he was scrambling around, and he didn't pick that family up. When he came in, I said, Jacob, did you pick up those four kids for me? He said, no, Dad. He said, you know what happened on the bus? We just gonna... I said, oh, man, I told you not to. I said, make sure you pick them up. And I kind of did that dad talk thing, you know. And uh, he said, man, I'm sorry. So I went back, and I visited the family. And this is what the grandma said. The kids got up at 5.30 in the morning. So the kids were up at 5.30. And she said, the, the kids say, the bus is not coming. And then they said this, did Jesus forget us? Boom. I looked at that grandmother. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm sorry. The bus broke down. It's still our fault. I said, if you give me one more chance, I will make sure my son will pick your kids up this Sunday. So I got Jacob. You, you, you'll be Jacob. you asked me about Jacob earlier, so I took Jacob. And I gave him the half Nelson. I said, listen. Those four bus kids I told you on Avenue L, door number three, if you don't pick those up, son, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) He picked them up. He said, Dad, you're right. They're 
the sweetest kids. They got saved. And listen, listen, I, I've been, I've been just been rejoicing. I mean, I don't, I don't need to go bus calling. Okay? But I want to. Okay? I, listen, I'm not above that. Pastor Chapel doesn't come up to you and say, hey, how many, did you, how many kids did you sign up on the bus? Even though I oversee our buses. He doesn't expect me to do that. But you want to know something? I'm not above that. Man, I tell you what, I was on my knees talking. Man, let your kids come on our bus. It's going to be awesome. I got doctors. I got lawyers. I got police officers. I got in my couples class. But here I am begging a mom to let her kids to come on my bus. You know what? I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. Listen, God wants and you want to know something? Listen, there's not a status with God. Well, here's the lawyer. Oh, yeah, there's the bus kid. Uh Uh-uh. Hey, you want to know something? This is just a side note. You you theologians don't come and correct me on this, okay? But I, I think if Jesus were to be walking on this earth today, who do you think he'd be going after? Just think about it. I, I think he went to the blind, the main, the halt. Huh? I, I, I think Jesus would be a bus captain. I think he'd be involved in it. Like I said, I think we ought to reach everybody. So let me give you some, just a couple quick thoughts regarding this. Number one, first bullet. With different outreach events, your target may vary. Okay? Um, you might have a three-on-three tournament. Okay? Guess what you're going to target? You're going to target teenagers. Hey, be a part of our three-on-three tournament. I think, Brother Tyson, didn't you just have one? Where, where do you go? Didn't you just have a three-on-three tournament? You had people saved? That was their target. They weren't targeting old guys like me to come out there and play three-on-three. Half court, maybe, okay? <laughs> or, or, you know, we have ten guys on the court. We play defense, and then the other five guys play offense, and we just don't cross that half court line. Um, but three-on-three tournament, VBS. Then we have police officers, firefighters. We call it First Responders Day, where we reach out to the medical personnel and, and police officers and firefighters. And you know what? There, there's a target there. Armed Forces Appreciation Day. Educators Appreciation Day. Neighborhood Impact, more of a... Uh, children's bus day, um, friend day. Man, we're trying to reach everybody. Oh, open house. We have different events. We just this week they just finished youth conference. There, there was a target there. Uh, any given week, we're trying to throw the net out to everybody. But then you're going to have some special days where you're going to have a specific target. Hey, let's reach teenagers. Let's let's have a big bus day. Let's 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 bring the contractors in. And, and let's thank them for what they did. And, and let's use it so that we might be able to witness to them. And, and so it's, it's a specific day with, with, a, with a goal in mind just to share, gospel, uh, share the gospel and to thank people for what they do throughout the community. The goal is to reach everybody, okay? That's just the goal. Principle number seven, 
The principle of saturation. Okay, give me five minutes, we'll wrap it up. The principle of saturation. There's a great need to cultivate your community. And I love this. I remember Pastor telling a story. I wasn't here at, the, at, at Lancaster when, when this took place, but uh, I think it was probably two years into Pastor's uh, ministry at Lancaster that Dr. Lee Robertson came, and they're driving around the community, and Dr. Lee Robertson said, said now, Pastor, you know, make sure that you, uh, you pastor your community. Now, the church was one of maybe 100. Okay? And, and Pastor was probably, let's see, 20, maybe 26 years old. And he, and he thought, and he tells the story, Pastor of the community, I'm just worried about pastoring the 100 people that God's given to me. But Dr. Lee Robinson said this, you got to have a vision. You ought to be the, be the pastor of this valley. View it that way. So what would he do? He would make himself available to pray with, you know, city officials. He would have lunch with them. He would let them know, hey, if you have a need, let me know. I'll pray for you. And he just had that, okay, I'm going to take that advice as a young man, and I'm going to start just realizing, hey, I want to, I want to have a, an impact in my community. And, and, and it's, I mean, he started that. And it was, I'm sure at first it was, it was awkward. It felt like, should I be doing this? But he took the advice of a, a senior statesman, and he followed that advice. And now the community leaders call him, hey, pastor. He is the pastor of Lancaster. Hey, listen, you realize that if you're a bus captain, there's certain parts of our community that people really don't know Pastor Chapel. They don't know Jerry Furso, but they know Jacob Furso. They know John Downey. They know Jill, Phil uh, Chapman. They know Brother Thorogood. They know a Robbie Yap. You know why? Because these were the bus captains. These are the ones that are capturing that little area, that little segment of the community. So you know what? We're going to pastor this area. And they're just going to know who we are. I'll go up, I'll make some visits, and they say, uh, I say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Jacob's dad. You know, man, our kids love him. Next. As we think about this principle of saturation, there's a great need to cultivate your community. There are several ways you can cultivate your community. Here, through newspaper, radio, uh, television commercials, community newsletters, just door-to-door soul winning, bus ministry, billboards, posters. Um, listen, I think you'll all be celebrating Easter. Resurrection Sunday's coming up, right? I'm sure you're all doing something special. Get the word out. Go to some of your businesses and say, hey, can you put this poster up? Just put a poster up. Talk about, you know, you know music and a drama, you know, message, whatever it is. And, and just start, start putting the, getting the word out. And here it is, because people will see that, and then when you knock on the door, they make that connection. 
Okay? Number eight, the principle of activation. Work your plan. You've got to work your plan. Listen, you cannot expect just a poster, though, to bring in people. All right? And just like a businessman, he just can't hang a sign out in front of someone's yard that he's doing work. You know what they're going to do? When you leave, what they're going to do, they're going to come out and say, hey, what kind of work are you getting done here? And they say, what do you think of your contractor? Is he doing a good job? They're going to start asking. So that little sign, though, kind of generates some interest. But then that sign, listen, that sign didn't make a phone call, hey, come and do this for me. But that sign, what it did, it brought to the person that you're doing the work for. You, make, you see the connection there? All right? And the same thing in soul winning. Listen, you know, we, this, this, this is a great little idea right here. You, you know, how many of you have seen those yard signs, you know, vote for so-and-so? You, you have that? Okay. This is what we did for our open house. We made signs, and we call them yard signs. And then we had open house, May 5th, Lancaster Baptist Church, and had the leaf on there, our little logo. And we asked people, hey, if you want to put a sign in your yard, put a sign in your yard. And so our members took those signs. And we had a probably, you know, I think we made 1,200 of them. And so they put those signs everywhere. And guess what? When you go out door knocking, somebody said, yeah, I saw a sign in someone's yard. And guess what? All it did, it, it, it helped us when we knocked on people's doors to, to make that connection there. And uh, so a yard sign, I know it's a, it's a little thing, but it's, a, it's free advertisement in one sense. Now, it, t- it costs some money to print them and to get them out there, uh, but... Man, what great advertisement. Uh, advertise and promote the special outreach days well in advance. Um, make these outreaches days unique. Uh, have predetermined checkpoints to gauge progress. Next, keep your, your, your leadership team and lay leaders excited about the event. Okay? So the principle of activation. Number nine, the principle of, of opposition. Can I say this? Number one, expect opposition. It's going to come. Listen, anything moving forward is going to have what? Friction. All right, so expect it. You may have to make mid-course adjustments, okay? You think, man, we didn't think of that. Oh, man, we got to make adjustments. Um, next, don't get discouraged because of opposition. Stay focused on the event. I love Nehemiah 6 and verse 3. Is that in your notes? All right, it says... I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? You know, Nehemiah said, you know, hey, I got a work to do. I'm not going to get down and I'm not going to discuss this. They're sending ballots everywhere. All right? You know, people that just want to bicker and fight and just talk and kind of share their opinion. Hey, we got a work to do. And, and boy, when you have that vision, you got that focus there to move forward. And number 10, the principle of celebration. Celebration. Take a moment and celebrate. Thank God for what he did. Hear testimonies. Here, celebrate what God accomplished through you as a church family. Thank God for it. Next, thank the church for their participation and sacrifice. Share the victory stories of the day. You know, people, sometimes people don't realize all what takes place. Share the stories. Let people rejoice in, in God's goodness. Write thank you notes. Hey, thank you for your involvement. Hey, thanks for driving that bus. 
Hey, thanks for passing out those hot dogs. Hey, thanks for running the games. Hey, thanks for counseling. Thanks for cleaning up. Next, have a celebration luncheon for your team leaders. Um, Just let them know from your heart how much you appreciate them. Uh, Last Thursday, we had a a big banquet to to thank all those that were involved in uh, Neighborhood Impact. And it was a a great time. It was a time of testimony, a time of rejoicing. It it was a time really just to say thank you. And um, as I stand at the the back door, people are shaking my hand as they were leaving. They had tears coming down their face and said, thank you for doing this. No, it's like, hey, thank you for serving. Thank you. And um, I tell you what, we have a lot to do. And, uh, but listen, we don't have to do it alone. I, I believe with all my heart, there's great potential sitting in the pews of your church. And, and all you have to do is just see that, see that gold and then kind of mine it out. Let's, let's pray. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.